What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Today, we have a really awesome interview with UFC fighter Matt, the steamroller from Vola. Huge Mets fan. He's been out here with us at City Field all day. Been doing the estimate. It's been the judge. It's been, uh, it's been an eventful day. And Matt, we're super excited to have you here to talk about your career and talk about being a lifelong Mets fan. I mean, you're rocking the, the stuff, orange and blue, top to bottom. How's it feel to be at City Field right now? Oh, my God. This is awesome. You know, I love City Field. I'm a lifelong Mets fan. I love the Mets. And what's better than just spending the day at City Field with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate that. We're definitely going to get to your UFC career after this. But first, we want to start Mets talk. I know you're a lifelong Mets fan. Grew up on Long Island. What are your expectations for the team this year? Are you excited? Oh, yeah, I'm so pumped. Uh, and expectations at World Series. You know, we, we got the lineup. We got the team. So I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to uh, start the season and get, get it rolling. You catch uh, many games. I know you're a local guy. So how many times you come out to the same field, do you think, during the season? I come out as much as possible. So, you know, right now I'm in fight camp. I got this big fight coming, so I'm so dialed in. But uh, after I handle business May 6th, you know, you're going to see me at City Field a lot. Well, uh, what's your favorite era of Mets baseball? Mark and I grew up like kind of those mid-2000s time. But like when you think about like when you were like your biggest Mets fan self, when was that? What years? It, it had to be, you know, right like uh, beginning of the 2000s, you know, end of the 90s. Uh, and me and my brother, I got a twin brother. We grew up at Shea Stadium. You know, me and my dad, my brother, just we had seats right uh, on first base. And uh, we were at Shea Stadium all the time just watching the Mets cheering them on and uh and loving loving baseball shout out to your brother jimmy he's been here as well helping out with us to met shout out jimmy ain't it who was your favorite mets player of all time i know i every mets fan i feel like depending on what age you kind of fall into a different player mine's piazza that's right james david wright who's yours you know i, I love david wright but me growing up i was a i was a third baseman and i loved uh agardo alfonso yeah he's the one uh, here here is deep jack fonzie yeah we, we met fonzie at a uh, old timers day Good nice. dude, and he, nice he just loves baseball. He's a baseball guy as well. Yeah. Do you have any great memories? Like, what's like maybe what's the top memory of your like Mets watching life being at City Field or Shea Stadium? You know, it had to be Shea Stadium. You know, like I said, we had uh, seats right behind uh, first base, and there was one game. Me and my brother, we were we were little kids. We were cute little kids, <laughs> and we got eight foul balls. That's unreal. We had, we had eight foul balls, and I would say after like the fifth foul ball. The, the crowd started booing us. We just, we just kept uh, raking in these foul balls. Like, after they would uh, warm up, they don't, the first baseman would toss it out to us. And then we just started having to throw out the foul balls to everybody else. But we had we had the record of, of eight foul balls. So that was that was on. That's awesome. It could be, like, double trouble, too. Oh. Like, ball day, like, Pesky, you can kind of move around, like, play your game. Yeah, yeah, except uh, John Olerud never threw his <laughs> <laughs> Who was feeding you the balls that day? You know, even uh, uh, a lot of guys, man. Todd Zeal. Todd Zeal was always throwing. Shout out Todd Zeal. Yeah, shout out Todd Zeal. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Have you gotten a foul ball out of game since? Because, I mean, it seems like you're a little bit of a ball magnet. No, man, I haven't. I think it was just uh, when I was a cute little chubby kid, I used to just rake them in, but I'm not as cute anymore, I guess. I can't even believe that there was ever a time you were a chubby, chubby kid. <laughs> it's nuts. Did you get to any games last year? Yeah, you know, uh, I got to go to the game, and uh, they actually gave us a field pass. So it was the first time I was on the field, and um, that's when I actually met uh, Alex Cohen and uh, – I really had a great conversation with her, and then they they invited us up to uh, watch a game uh, in their suite, in the Cohen suite, and it was it was an experience like I'll never forget. As soon as I walk up there, like uh, I see Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid, chilling. <laughs> you know, I get to I just finished the Karate Kid season three, so I walk up there. I'm just like, hey, Daniel son, <laughs> and uh, just hanging out. You know with uh with alex with steve with ralph and uh you know i had my brother with me i had my dad with me uh it was it was unreal being able to uh watch a game up there with the cohen's and and you know the cohen's have done such a great job with the mets and the organization i cannot wait for this year and for the future dude we're so excited we're, we're happy that they're here too because it's been fun it's been a great time to be a mets fan just in general with how good the team's been, the success, the players that they're bringing in. Is there anybody you're particularly excited to see play this year that's, you know, new to the team? Yeah, you know, I'm really excited to see uh, Senga. Yeah. You know, to see how he adjusts, you know, coming from Japan. I think I've heard, like, something like uh, the mound is, like, is, like, shorter in Japan. And then, I've you know, we've heard about this, uh, this like, ghost fork ball. Yep. You know, I cannot wait to see uh, Kota Senga uh, slinging the ball uh, this year. Seiko, that's going to be your favorite new player excited to watch. But who is your favorite player in the team right now? You know, I'm, uh, I love Alonzo. I love I love. Look what you got. Dude, he, he's the man. You know, you cannot love him. Which guy you think on the team could be the best UFC fighter? Good question. Best UFC fighter, man. Yeah. You know, I think it's got to be Big Volgi. Big Bogleback. <laughs> Bogleback definitely cut. I know that he, you know, he's, he packs a punch. And, uh, you know, I think people are sleeping on his speed after that one commercial. <laughs> so I know he's going to be stealing some bases. He's going to steal one finally. <laughs> he's got the power. He's got the speed. You know, I think, uh, I think he could uh, knock a couple people out. And we, we asked a lot of the players during spring training, just like random TikTok stuff to post. If there was a zombie apocalypse, what teammate you want to fight with? And Vogue was the second most popular answer behind Pete, for sure. There you go. We'll pack the punch. But now that's a great way to transition into talking about some UFC stuff. You mentioned before the fight at the Prudential Center, May 6th, correct? May 6th. May 6th. Who are you fighting? I'm fighting uh, Drew Dober. And this is a big fight. You know, he's ranked uh, number 14 in the world. And uh, this is, you know, this fight gets me to where I want to be. You know, my whole, ever since I started this, I want to be a world champ. I want to fight the best guys in the world, test myself, test my skills against the best guys in the world. And uh, I'm coming off of a two-fight winning streak, two first-round knockouts over undefeated opponents. And I told the UFC I wanted a big fight, and we got the big fight. Oh, yeah. No, we remember. That's actually how we, like, found out about you. We were watching your fight at Madison Square Garden. You came out to Narcos. Yeah. We are like, oh, they're talking about how big of a Met fan you were on the broadcast. Hit up Vito, our producer. I was like, we got to get this guy on. Like, this dude's bleeding orange and blue. And watching your fight, I mean, like you said, first-round knockout. Absolutely dominated the guy. It was crazy. How do you even get into the world of being a UFC or an MMA fighter? Yeah, you know, I like to say, uh, you know, I didn't choose the fight life. The fight life chose me. <laughs> you know, I was I was always an athlete growing up. Like I said, you know, I got a twin brother. 
played baseball all growing up, played football all growing up. Um, and then I wrestled in high school and uh, I wasn't even, you know, a phenomenal wrestler. I was always like a, a good wrestler, not a great wrestler. But, uh, and then I found Matt Sarah, I found Ray Longo. I started doing uh, jujitsu. I started training and, um, you know, started taking amateur fights, winning, went pro, you know, started winning pro fights. And, you know, the dream was always to get to the UFC. And now we're here. We saw you train, just mentioned the Matt Sarah, uh, the Sarah Longo gym. We saw that Chris Weidman also trains there. What's it like training with just a former world champion, like legend of the UFC? Oh man, Chris Weidman's the man. That is <laughs> hilarious. Too. Like he's like so much of a ball buster. Like you could, he's always a Long Island guy. And uh, you know, watching him, watching his, watching uh, Matt Sarah, you know, take out uh, GSP when GSP was was the greatest of all time. You know, and then watching Chris Weidman take out Anderson Silva when Anderson Silva was the best. And then these two guys are Long Island guys. You know, it, it's. It's inspiring, and now now watching uh, Aljamain Sterling, the UFC bantamweight, you know, champion of the world, and these guys are all, you know, grew up for where where I'm from. You know, if they can do it, why not me? It's inspiring. Were there any UFC fighters, or I guess like maybe when you were a little bit younger, guys that you looked up to, maybe you got to meet them, any experience like that? Yeah, you know, uh, those three guys there, you know, uh, Matt Sarah, Chris Weidman, Aljamain Sterling, you know, just because they're from Long Island, and because now. I could call them friends, teammates, mentors. Um, but also, you know, I was a big BJ Penn guy back in the day. BJ Penn's a Hawaii guy, you know, he was a, he was a, yeah, he was always just, just scrap. You know, I love that, just scrap. And that's kind of what I do, I just scrap. Who would you say, just talking about UFC history, is on your Mount Rushmore of UFC fighters all time? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think I I have a bias uh, Mount, Mount Rushmore, you know, because I'm a, I'm a local guy, so I'm going to throw our three Long Island champions on there. You know, uh, Matt Sarah, Chris Weidman. I'm throwing Aljo on there. There you go. He's the man. And then what, we get one more? Yeah, one more. One more. One more, man. One more. I think, you know, I'm an old school guy. He, he might not be UFC. He's not UFC, but he's, he's an all-time MMA GOAT, and I love his style. Fedor Emelianenko, you know, I just loved his, like, he had a stone face. He showed no emotion, and he was just in there to scrap and fight, and uh, I just I just loved the no emotion about him. Yeah. You know, he was right down to business. You were talking about scrapping. You were talking about, like, preparing for your upcoming fight. We love to ask the major league players about, like, their grind through the minor leagues because it's just a lot of hard work for not really, like, any payoff necessarily just yet. What's it like to train getting ready for a UFC fight? I got to imagine it's unbelievably tough. Man, you know, it's tough because I'm I'm naturally a big guy. Yeah. You know, naturally I'm like 185, 190 pounds like that. And I got I fight at 155 pounds. So, you know, it, it takes it takes time, it takes discipline and uh you know, there's been many times I've came, I've come to uh, City Field and I wasn't e able to eat the uh, steak fritas. <laughs> you know, and uh, no sausage and peppers. It's tough. Good food. Good food. It's, it's tough. It's tough. But uh, like I, you know, I say, no sacrifice, no glory. You know, I uh, I make the sacrifice. I put in the work. I always have, you know, a eight to ten week fight camp where I'm completely focused, completely dedicated. I'm training twice a day, sometimes three times a day. 
I'm sparring twice a week. I'm doing jujitsu three to four times a week. I'm boxing twice a week. I'm uh, hitting mitts, you know, three times a week. I'm doing strike conditioning three times a week. You know, it's a it's a full time gig. And then you got to add in the nutrition because I got to lose weight, but I also have to eat enough food to be able to fuel my training. And then, uh, you know, there's always hiccups. You know, there's always little injuries. There's always, I got to take care of my body. You know, I broke this hand four times before, you know, <laughs> but that's why we developed the left. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a grind. And, uh, but, you know, what else would I rather be doing? Yeah. You know, sometimes I wish, uh, and I was uh, better at baseball than <laughs> at baseball than I was at fighting, but you know, it is what it is. I gotta say, sitting here this close to you and watching you like top that finish. Yeah. Wow. Easy a little yeah. bit. You're six weeks out from the fight right now. You talked about like the rigors of the physical training. How does the mental aspect of the training change between being like 15, 12, 10, and six weeks out? Like when? Is your moment to get psyched up? When do you start getting mad? When do you have to be like serene? Like how do you how do you just judge the mental aspect of it? Yeah, uh, fighting is honestly just as much mental as it is physical. You know, you could have one of the best fight camps of your life, and then you could step into that cage and kind of shit the bed. You know, it's but through my hard work, through my fight camp, you know that's what builds my confidence. I wouldn't have the confidence to step into a cage and fight the best guys in the world if I didn't put in the work. You know, I have the confidence to do that because I know that I put in the work. I left no stone unturned. You know, I always say there's no easy way out. There's no shortcut homes. I put in the work and then I have the confidence. I know that I'm ready. I know that I'm ready and I go in there and I'm prepared for 15 minutes of fury, 15 minutes of war. I'm always prepared for that, so I'm ready to go. I've always wanted to know, what is it like to get punched in the face? I've never done it, and I don't want you to do it to me. I'm not asking, but, like, how do you even, like, do, do you practice getting punched in the face? How's that work? Listen, I mean, I spar twice a week, and uh, I'm going to say I get punched in the face every sparring session. And if you've never been punched in the face, you should get punched in the face. I don't know about that. Because there's... It's social, I'm telling you, man. Punch, maybe. You, once, you, once you start training, once you get punched in the face and you realize that you're not made of glass, you know, it just opens up a whole new world. You know, you got your chin down, you got your eyes up, you got your hands up, you could take a hit. You get, you get knocked out by the punch you don't see coming. And that's why through sparring, you, you learn to see everything, you know, you, you work your awareness. Uh, Coach Longo, Ray Longo is big on awareness. That's why he wants me to box a lot. He wants me to spar a lot because he wants me to build up that awareness so I can see. I know that this guy in front of me has two arms and two legs, just like me. He's, he's going to throw nothing that I haven't seen before because I've sparred so many rounds. I got rounds in the bank. I got my chin down. I got my hands up and I got my eyes up. I see everything. You trust your eyes. And then sometimes you get hit, but as long as you got that chin down, you could take a shot, bro. You could take a shot. <laughs> you have like a moment, whether it be like a fight in the UFC, a fight before in training, where it like became very clear, like how good you can be and what you needed to do. Like, is there something that really sticks out to you? Something that was said, some shot you took and got back up from? Yeah, well, you know, I'll say uh, when I was an amateur, I was an amateur fighter. And the first thing, you know, I ever really got out of fighting, when you're an amateur, you're fighting for free. 
You know, there's been many fights where I've Crazy. been fighting in, uh, you know, Florida strip club parking lot <laughs> where they just set up a cage in the parking lot of a strip club, many of those, which were all fun. But uh, my fourth amateur fight, I got the opportunity to go to Costa Rica and I fought for the uh, Costa Rican amateur title against their like 9-0 uh, hometown hero who had like nine knockouts, you know, and they flew me down to Costa Rica and... Uh, I've never been paid for a fight, nothing. I was like, yo, I get a free flight to Costa Rica? Hell yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, well, you got to fight this uh, 9 and 0, 9 knockouts, Costa Rican hometown hero. And it was in a bullfighting arena at oh my Pico Beach of uh, Costa Rica. Was it like still dirt in the ground? Oh, yeah. It, there was, but they set up a ring. It was in a ring and it was outside. And uh, I remember uh, this guy came out and, uh, and he rocked me like right off the bat and he like hit me good. And then it actually started raining on us while we were fighting. Wow. And this guy was a stand-up guy. And, and back then, you know, it was, I was more of a wrestler back then. And since it started raining, like, you know, it got, like, slippery. So I took him down so easily. I was like, the fight gods, like, had my map for that fight. And, uh, you know, I ended up winning that fight, giving that guy his uh, first loss. And uh, won my first amateur title. And I remember that night being like, you know, I can do this. You know, I could go pro. I can, I can make this my life. And I really started believing in myself. You know, before that, it was a hobby. I was a, I was a tough guy, kid. You know, having fun with it. But after that fight, I was, I, I started to believe. I started to believe. You gotta 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 believe. You talked about getting like flown out to Costa Rica as your first, our like paid experience. We saw that you were on the McGregor card. You got to go to Fight Island. Out in Abu Dhabi, right? The UAE. Um, how was that experience? I saw on Instagram you had the picture with McGregor. Being around someone like him and just being in that atmosphere, how different was it? That it was so cool, man. Especially, it was during COVID. You know, the world shut down, and Dana White decides to buy an island in Abu Dhabi <laughs> and pump out UFC fights throughout the pandemic. You know, and and I I saw it as like my Mortal Combat. <laughs> I was like. I was like, all right, we're going to we're going to Fight Island, and uh, I, you know, I was uh, it was it, it was a huge opportunity. I was so I was so pumped to be able to get that fight, and then you know, I'm out there, and uh, we're in the hotel, and there was like a main pool, and then there was like a private pool where like not a lot of people went at, and I went to the to the uh, like private pool because I was like wanted to swim some laps, and as soon as I get there, I see like Conor McGregor just like chilling, so I was able to uh, go up and uh, talk to him a little bit. And uh, kind of, you know, just uh, he was actually very humble. You know, he had he had a very thick uh, Irish accent that I almost like couldn't understand what he was saying. Um, but you know, you see the persona that he puts on. But uh, talking to him, uh, fighter to fighter, he was very humble and he was very cool. So you know, I'm I'm definitely a McGregor fan. Fighting Abu Dhabi, that's as far away from home as you almost could possibly be. You want to fight Masquer Garden very recently, fighting at home. What was it like? That was your second fight at MSG. What were the pressures like fighting at home, like knowing you got you got people out there ready to watch you? You know, a fight's a fight to me. It doesn't matter if it's Abu Dhabi, if it's in my backyard, if it's at MSG. You know, I, I'm standing in that cage. I got my opponent across from me, and I got a ref who's going to pull me off of his limp body. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It fights a fight. Uh, and like I said before, you know, I put in the work. I know I'm ready. I'm prepared for a 15-minute war if it has to be. And, uh, 
win, lose, or draw, I'm drinking a beer afterwards. <laughs> Amen to that one. I mean, just like being able to hear your mindset behind everything. Even like you talking about getting punched in the face is like a mental thing. I think maybe for the outside looking in, don't realize like, yeah, of course, physically, like gifted, talented, all that stuff, but like the mental side of actually being a professional fighter like that is just so different. Yeah, you know, like I said before, it's uh, just as much mental as it is physical. And, uh, you know, you have to prepare both. And and uh, I do prepare, you know, even sparring sometimes. Um, I'll put on Narcos, I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll put on the trumpets and walk out. You know, I'm always wearing my, my uh, UFC fight shirts. I take my shirt off. I make sure my sparring partner takes his shirt off. You know, we have a whole crowd at the gym for uh, Saturday sparring and, and, and everybody's watching, you know, all eyes. And, uh, and it really gives you that fight feel. And uh, that's also training your mental as, as you're training your physical. You know, after every sparring session, after every fight I have, I throw my hands up in victory. You know, I point to the sky. I thank God for the victory for being here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's my routine. You mentioned before how when you started out, you're much more of a wrestler, you had a jiu-jitsu background, now you're training, trying to become more aware, a little more boxing. How would you describe your style as someone who's maybe not as familiar with UFC? You know, my style is, they call me the steamroller for a reason. You know, I'm coming, I'm coming in there for the finish. I'm coming, I'll, I'll choke someone's head off. I'll knock somebody out. I'll break somebody's arm. I love jiu-jitsu. I love wrestling. I love boxing. I love Muay Thai. And I love mixed martial arts. I love how you take each aspect, each martial arts, and, and form it to make your own style. You know, you form it to, to beat a specific opponent. And uh, that's what makes it so interesting. You know, one guy can be a stand-up guy and the other guy's a wrestler. You know, or one guy's a wrestler, one guy's a jiu-jitsu fighter. You know, one guy's a kickboxer, he's a boxer. And uh, it just, it's, they say styles make fights. And um, my style, you're never going to see a boring fight. No, I can vouch that, but we watched from like, oh, this is the select, this is the one. <laughs> the guy we want on the podcast to talk to us about being a UFC fighter, being a Mets fan, local guy as well. We'll wrap it up here with the last question. New York guy, got to know where's like the best pizza, best bagel. Where are you going? Oh, man, I love pizza, and there's no better spot than Sinelli's Pizza. Sinelli's Pizza in Garden City. Um they make me a pie, a nice, uh, a nice grandma pie after every fight, and uh, let's. Just, I'm, I'm already looking. Forward to it. <laughs> you know, I'm six weeks out. No more pizza for six weeks. But uh, that's something that puts my my mind at ease as well. You know, because I know, win, lose, or draw, I'm having some Sinelli's pizza. <laughs> so, amen. It's the little things that keep us going there, everybody. Matt, the steamroller for Vola, May sixth, Prudential Center. Get ready. Pay-per-view, go out, support the Mets fan, support the New York guy. That's the interview. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. You got to believe.